Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first month of Read, Watch, Play, a podcast where we'll be talking about either a book, a movie, or a game. I'm James. I'm Justin. I'm Caroline. I'm Cleo. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about Ex Machina, a movie directed by Alex Garland. Like a garland of flowers. Absolutely. (laughs) We totally didn't say that before we started recording (laughs) and decide that we wanted it in the podcast. That's that's our funniest joke that we're going to have today. (laughs) Not staged at all. Unplanned. We're great. Absolutely. So, Ex Machina is a film... It's a milk. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we did so well. <laughs> oh, I was really loud. It's okay. Just going to click the buttons. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, um, kind of by definition, this is a movie that's not going to lend itself really well to talking about spoiler-free for all that long. So, mm-hmm. we're going to jump right into like a basic description we're going to talk about what we thought, but other than that... Uh, we might be cutting the spoiler-free bit kind of short. Yeah, when I, I when I tell people to watch this movie, I basically say, don't watch any trailers and don't read any articles and just go in, just watch it. I agree. Um, so I think it's, it is best to just kind of know as little as possible. That said, I can summarize the movie from the website itself. So I feel like this is the least spoilery way to kind of sum up this movie. Should I go ahead and do it? I'd say go for it. All right. Caleb Smith, a programmer at an internet search giant like Google, but they don't say Google in the movie because obviously, uh, wins a competition to spend a week at the private mountain estate of the company's brilliant and reclusive CEO, Nathan Bateman. Upon his arrival, Caleb learns that Nathan has chosen him to be the human component in a Turing test, charging him with evaluating the capabilities and ultimately the consciousness of Nathan's latest experiment in artificial intelligence. So. That that does pretty much touch on everything that I was going to consider worth saying mm-hmm. before we got into spoilers. Yeah. Basically just yeah. sets up the movie. You see all of that stuff in the first maybe 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually I think they do a really good job with. They get, there's very little fluff. You get yeah. right to the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I think that makes, I don't know. I think a lot of movies kind of fail in that sense. They, it's, this gets you right to what you want to be. And I think that, like again, like that lends up to... This is very much something that you want to talk about what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, not a lot of setup. It's kind of just like, here you are. Yeah. Right now. You get right there. Yeah. I, I actually did watch this movie with uh, only seeing like one teaser trailer. And it was like probably like four or five months before I saw the actual film. So by the time I saw it, I'd kind of forgotten um, what it had in it. But like it opens with Caleb at a computer, like at an office space. And I was just like, what's happening? Like, I had no idea. And it was just like, Damn. it was really nice to like see a film for once that I just like literally had no expectations, no knowledge of what was going to happen or how it was going to end, you know? I mean, the most recent movie I've seen is Jurassic World. And I think we can all kind of agree that like, when you go into Jurassic World, you know that some dinosaur is going to get loose and then there's going to be dinosaur action and then it's going to all be happy at the end somehow. Like, yeah. when you go into Ex Machina, it's just, like, it's just such a great experience of being like, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen next, but it's going to be really cool. Yeah, it's easy to go in blind, which yeah. is pretty much mm-hmm. what I did, except for one thing my friend said, which I'll go into during spoiler territory. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, but it definitely did, like, 
Oh no! Did it ruin my, it? Uh, well, I'll mention it later. <laughs> but it's it's easy to go in blind, which I felt was the best way, pretty much, to go into it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of how. <clears throat> like the a, a complaint that I have about a lot of movies in general these days is that it's it's hard to go in blind, if only because like things have gotten so predictable, right? And I mean, even parts of Ex Machina, I, I like, I thought were predictable, and there were parts right. that, that threw me for a loop. But it's like you know. I, the most recent movie that I saw was Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. And I mean, of course, it's right there in the title. But, like, you you go into that movie and you, you know what to expect in this indie coming-of-age movie, right? And it's just like you go into Ex Machina. And if you don't, if your expectations have been colored by a trailer, by a person, or by a review, like, you just you just don't have any concept of what's going on. And it's, it's so rare to find, like, even find that in a movie. Even if you haven't been exposed, you can kind of get there and within the first ten minutes you... You, you kind of know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. And, and Ex Machina didn't do that, and it was something that I appreciated a ton. I think, I think we're, at least one thing we can all say is that we would definitely recommend this to anybody listening. Yes. Everybody should go see it, like, six times. Yeah. 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 I've recommended it to pretty much everyone, every human being I know on the planet. Yep, I might not <laughs> feel that way, honestly. <laughs> okay. But we will get into that in the spoiler territory. <laughs> Right, but no, I like that. Yeah, yeah. We're not yeah I might be the Debbie Downer of the group a little bit at the time. Um, I've in recent months become more of a critical person than I was prior. <laughs> Cleo hates everything. I don't hate everything. Fair warning. Not everything. <laughs> um, one thing I do want to talk about before we get to the spoiler part is I I have all of the film's websites pulled up, and I just want to talk about them because I freaking love them so much. I mean, the fact that you have to address them as all of. Yes, there's right? multiple. So there's three, right? There's the the film website, which is like, I mean, it's hard to say it's like your standard film website, because it's not. But I mean, it has the trailer, it has the synopsis, it has the casting crew, but it's just like really beautifully designed, and it's done in a way that like, you can imagine this website being part of both like our reality and also part of the film's reality, which I really liked. They also have a website for their like fake Google in the movie, which is called Blue Book, which is kind of like a Google Facebook yeah. amalgamation. I think that's the right word, but I'm just going to go with it. Um, but that website looks really great, too, and it has like this really nice kind of similar um, aesthetic as the film website. And then the third website that they have is called Ava Sessions. That's ava-sessions.com. And you kind of interact with Ava a little bit. She asks you your name. She's like, oh, I see that it's really nice outside. Do you mind if I draw you? And then uh, you grant the website access to your camera. And it's basically like Ava draws your face. And once Ava draws your face, you can see the grid of all the faces she's drawn. And it's just kind of like a really, like, like a spooky, but like ethereal, like kind of experience. I don't know. I just really like interactive websites that like from movies i'm sorry this was a very big rant none of you had said anything you're just looking at me with crazy eyes no i mean i haven't the thing is i haven't seen any of these websites neither i uh i didn't know they existed however i am incredibly into particularly the ava site mm-hmm. um i'm gonna check all of these out after yeah. the podcast yeah my favorite thing about the blue book site is that the blue book site was released before the movie as kind of like a teaser and the way that they got people to sign up for like their newsletter was to sign up for beta access for Blue Book. And the three questions that you fill out on the website is like, enter your name, enter your email address, and then the third one is, what are you searching for? 
And I was like, oh, shit, that's so good. It's so, like, <laughs> what Blue Book would actually do, like, you know, in the movie. And it's such, like, a Google thing, too, right? Like, all of the recent Google commercials have been, like, really heavy on emotion. Yeah. Because Google is such a big, like, giant corporation that they don't need to tell you who they are. Yeah. They just need you to, like, trust them. They need you to feel yeah, about them. Yeah, they need you to trust them so you give them all your fucking information. <laughs> Not to be, like, weird and conspiracy theorist. But, like, weird and conspiracy theories. But also, like, what are you searching for just also feels like such a quintessentially Nathan question. Yes. Like, it just feels so... Like, even getting outside of, like, Blue Book as an organization and, and like, ties there, Nathan as a character would be the kind of guy who would direct Blue Book to ask that question in mm -hmm. their beta sign-up. Like, it's just... Yeah. yeah. Does what? anyone else have any things to say before we go to spoilers? I'm just curious. Was there, like, an ARG element, like, to the promoting of this? I Besides, think this is as far as it goes. It was just the websites, and they mm -hmm. weren't, like, it wasn't, like, a full-fledged. Because I remember, I felt like this was a film that would have oh, lent itself really well. No, Absolutely. what it did do, actually, um, at, oh, crap. What is the name of that really big, uh, like... South by Southwest. Yes, thank you. South by Southwest in Austin. Just immediately. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you didn't even have to say anything. Um, at South by Southwest in Austin, they did have Ava on Tinder, I want to say. It's oh, like God. some dating app. Let me look this up. Um, well, vamp. Yeah. Well, there... Yeah. So, this headline, it's a BBC headline, says, Tinder user falls for robot woman at South by Southwest Festival. They had her set up this profile using uh, the actress's face. I don't remember the name of the actress right now, and it's also Swedish and very hard to pronounce. Uh, it's Alicia Vikander. Thank you. Vikander? That's how you say her last name? Uh, that's what I'm going to go with. Okay. Um, but yeah, so they had her set up a Tinder profile, and she like actually messaged people. So like somebody posted screenshots of like their whole conversation with Ava and it's like it's the, that same feeling that the website gives you it's like a little bit spooky but you're not like really sure mm. uh, great stuff sorry oh man and I think so like I mean she's just she's written just like the movie right wow that is yeah this Excellent. is this is stuff that I'm into. I feel like I need to do, to put a disclaimer on this. Like I work in social media marketing, so like stuff like this is just like right up my alley, and I'm just like, yes, I love this. I, I don't know. I think a lot of people can get into this. I mean, yeah. I'm I so I don't work in social media marketing, but I did. Um, and I mean, I don't know. James and Cleo's eyes haven't glazed over. <laughs> no, so I, I yeah. think we're we're in good we're in good territory. Yeah. So with that, should we should we start? Segwaying? Yeah. Can. All right, so before we do that, we're going to announce our movie for next month, which is going to be Kingsman, The Secret Service. Yeah, that is, is the subtitle. subtitle, in fact. Um, came out earlier this year, but coming out on DVD this month. Um, like, a few of us have seen it. It's a good time. Um, mm -hmm. Fun is the word I would use. Fun. I had fun to fun, Yeah, fun is... Probably the primary word I would use yeah. for that movie. Yeah. Maybe say like super fucking fun. <laughs> I I would go that far. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> um, but so um, within the next month, uh, if you get a chance, see that, and you'll be all set for our second segment in July. Mm -hmm. um, so that said, this is the break. If you have not seen Ex Machina. You are welcome to stay, but I think we would all highly, highly, highly discourage it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I'm just, I'm flat out going to say, stop listening. Yeah. Right. If you haven't <laughs> seen Ex Machina, basically stop listening to this podcast and walk to the theater closest to you that's playing it, if it's still playing it, and watch it. Like, just watch it. It's, yeah, I, I, 
Yeah, pretty much that. You it, one this I flat out love this movie, and two, if you keep listening to this podcast without having seen it, and you have the slightest bit of interest, you're going to ruin every like so much of what makes seeing it great. Yeah, which I think Cleo can attest to. Yes, I also saw it in a theater. I want to. I'm actually kind of curious about your guys' viewing experiences because I saw it fairly late on, like after most people who wanted to see it had seen it. I went in the middle of a weekday by myself, and there was like one older couple in the theater, like sitting mm-hmm. on the other side, and then just me. Like I really love seeing movies by myself, mm-hmm. and I actually really enjoyed specifically seeing this movie in that context kind of like because i couldn't hear other people whispering like their theories or anything which often you know you can't avoid that all the time yeah and you couldn't hear other people i couldn't hear anybody else's reaction so i was kind of just like me in this vacuum which i felt lent itself very well also to this movie all right so i think we're actually gonna delay our spoiler cutoff by a couple of minutes sorry so go (laughs) ahead go ahead and keep listening if you if you haven't already stopped and you want to avoid spoilers but pull up fandango on your phone or something like get to buying tickets just just sort that out while (laughs) while we're wrapping up uh that's actually. I just think that's a great conversation to have, and I would. I think. Uh, yeah. I would so be interested. I, I saw Ex Machina. I believe the first weekend it went wide. I want to say it was like the first weekend that everybody started talking about it. Basically, I heard about it on a Saturday, and I saw it that Sunday because I just really wanted to see it and didn't want it to be spoiled because everyone was telling me it was really good, and uh, I saw it at Union Square. So it was packed. It was pretty full. Like, Union Square is always packed. I saw it there, too, but no one was there. Right. <laughs> the middle of weekday. Later. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it was, like, pretty full. But, like, not full enough um, where it, like, hindered my viewing experience or anything. And, actually, I think Ex Machina is a good film to see with a lot of people because the people seeing Ex Machina really like film. So it's not, like, you know, a popcorn movie where, like, I'm just going to, like, yell stuff about Transformers at the screen. Like, that's not why I'm seeing Ex Machina. I'm seeing Ex Machina to see, like, a good movie. Yeah, that's that's one nice thing is you kind of, just by the sheer nature of what that movie is, you kind of avoid a lot of negative aspects of going to the movies. Uh, I saw it a week before it went wide. Um, there, it, it had a two-week limited release before it went wide, and I, I saw it that second weekend. Uh, I went with a group of friends also to the uh, Regal and Union Square. And aside from all three of my friends being, like, ridiculous, crazy personalities, uh, the theater was pretty... I don't know, it was pretty quiet. Um, I did just spend pretty much the entire movie being incredibly pensive and not being affected by much of what was going on around me, and my friends actually kept quiet, which was uh, which was nice. <laughs> um I did, however, we came out of that movie and all, I was like, I don't know, I, like, I enjoyed it, I, I was still processing it and, and couldn't really talk about it all that much, it was just kind of like, like, you know, really figuring out everything that I, that I kind of felt about the movie and they were all just like trashing it. Like, none of the three people that I went with enjoyed it. Mm. And they're also the only three people except maybe Cleo at this point <laughs> who I've talked to who have seen it that didn't like it. Um, so make of that what I guess you might with knowing absolutely zero about the people that I went to the movie with. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw it. I did not see it at, at Regal Union Square. Um, <laughs> Breaking the mold. Absolutely. I saw it. Uh, I saw it with my girlfriend at the Cobble Hill Cinema. Uh, really nice theater. I had not been there before. It was super nice. Is it, why is I've it, why is it nice? That one out. It's, it's really small. 
uh, like I mean like a lot of the theaters here mm-hmm. here in Brooklyn, but um, it it's comfortable. It's very like eighties. Mm. Um, it it feels like it was an eighties theater that instead of just like getting like progressively like ramshackle. It has been like just perfectly preserved. Mm-hmm. They've got like a special opening that plays before the theater, like before the movies, that is unique to it. It's Cobble Hill Cinemas. It's also very 80s. <laughs> um, it was really nice. It was quiet. It was a nice area. Got to yeah. explore Cobble Hill some. It was convenient. It is not the theater that sat down at the end of this block, which smells bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is getting torn down. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. That's probably for the best. Um, all right. Never mind. They're not going to let us host live podcasts there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But, They're so popular. Yeah, but uh, there were a handful of people there. Um, not a lot. Uh, there was there was an older couple behind us in line. It, like, there were, Old there were, people love this movie. Well, but really see, the big thing was, there was, it was, you know, two people ahead of us who bought tickets to this movie, and the older couple heard them and were very critical because they had pronounced it wrong, and it was Ex Machina. And then we went up, and we also bought tickets for Ex Machina, and they were also very upset because it's Ex Machina. And they went up, and then they ordered their tickets, and the teller was very nice. And they, however, tried to comment on the fact that everyone was pronouncing it wrong, and the teller was still very nice. And was like, oh, yeah, what are you going to do? But, um, is there a correct way to pronounce it? Ex Machina. It is Ex Machina. Okay. Like Deus Ex Machina. Okay. Like Deus Ex Machina. Uh, yeah, yeah. well, I know. I know the phrase, guys. <laughs> Don't, like, talk to me like I haven't picked up this, like, eighth grade English. Like, I obviously know what Deus Ex Machina is, but, like, do you say Machina? Do you say Machina? Do you say, like, like what's the pronoun? Like, I think the emphasis is on the, ma- like the Machina. Yeah. Okay. But you I, do pronounce the I like an E. Yeah. Yeah. Not like an E letter, like an E sound. <laughs> yeah. God. And, you know, my, my experience discussing, Whatever. you know, kind of older, dead languages with people, I believe that is the pronunciation. Okay, okay. <laughs> cool. This is where we call our Latin expert. But, All right, um, so after that. Yeah, anyway, but so, yeah, no, it was it was, it was was really nice. Just a handful of people in the theater. Um, very quiet. Uh, one thing that was actually really nice was that we, since we kind of made an afternoon, we went out to lunch afterwards and just kind of immediately just sat down and talked about it, um, which was also a lot of fun. That was my first instinct, was to come out of this movie and just like, just like sit in a corner and just talk about it for like 45 minutes. Um, so, that all said, into spoilers, this is the break. Yep. If you've not seen it, pause here, Leave. come back. Go watch the movie. Alright, <laughs> so, break made. What is the first thing we want to talk about? How do we I imagine. God, yeah. I don't even freaking know. Uh, do I. Do you want to talk about? We can talk about like like it as a whole, or we could dive into talking about characters and let it flow from there. Yeah, I my natural instinct is to talk about Ava because I thought Ava was great and amazing, but I also have a lot of feelings about the other two characters too. Um, maybe before we start doing like the serious stuff, I should mention recently that I've been having this like daydream slash dream. That when I go to Comic-Con, I, like, go to this party, and they play that song that Nathan dances to uh, with... Kyoko. Yes, Kyoko. I don't remember her name. Thank you. Um, That Nathan dances to with Kyoko, but, like, I know all the moves and nobody else does. (laughs) So I start, like, dancing just like Nathan did, and then Oscar Isaac shows up because he's obviously there to promote Star Wars. Right. And then I dance with Oscar Isaac, and that's, like, now my goal in life is to do this. 
<laughs> so uh, that's my like really main impression of the movie because it's what I've been thinking about over the past like two weeks. I always just fall back on this daydream. You're just in your head, this was a musical. Yeah, yeah. kind of. <laughs> like the song played and like the audience parted, and then I was in the middle of the dance floor and I was just doing the dance. It's great. It's great, man. Probably won't go over so well in real life. <laughs> I'm just I, I'm just hoping beyond all hope that you end up in a situation <laughs> where it can even start to happen. That's that's gonna be a story for the ages. Uh, so okay. Um, I maybe we should start. I mean, I would rather talk about Ava. Maybe we should start with Caleb. Yeah, he's. I mean, he the, movie, the movie the movie starts and it's literally you're there with Caleb. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I really love Donald Gleason. I think he's yeah, a great actor. Um, fun fact about Caroline is that that oh shit. Fun fact about Caroline number one. Yeah, there are we many. We should start numbering these. There are many fun facts about Caroline. Um, but he was in this movie with Rachel McAdams about and time. Bill Nye. About time. Yes, about time. Okay, I really like rom- romantic comedies, but like this is like actually like a good one. And if you are like any you know in any way inclined to see romantic comedies i think you should see about time i think he's a great actor and he's just really fun and also his dad is really fun brendan gleason he's been in harry potter he was in in bruges i just love the gleason family <laughs> i'm a fan i really like them yeah, okay bye <laughs> i i no, i i think donald gleason is is an awesome actor and i loved him in this i can't wait to see him in star wars yeah um, I think he's, yeah, I think Ex Machina, I mean, Star Wars is going to be what puts him on the map, and he was cast before Ex Machina was released, mm-hmm. um, but I think he's, like, his, you know, sort of rising star in Hollywood has definitely been picking up with About Time, moving into this, and moving into, obviously, like, Star Wars is going to make him yeah. blow up, but, uh, watching him and what his output's going to be like over the next couple of years is going to be amazing. Yeah. I think it's weird that Star Wars, like, cast. You know, when they talk about the Star Wars casting announcement, they're like, oh, Star Wars cast, like, virtual unknowns. But, like, since the casting and now, both Oscar Isaac and Donald Gleason have, like, I, I don't think they're household names, but, like, they've definitely become more popular and more well-known. Yeah. It's going mean, to be interesting to see what it does. Movie, I mean, this movie does it for both of them, right? Yeah. And it does it in such a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a really great job together. Like, a lot of this movie is, and I think this is by design, but like a lot of this movie is one on one, two people in a room talking to each other, and that's you know it's it feels like the whole thing is set up as like a series of Turing tests. Yeah. You know this, you have two people just talking, and it's questions and answers, and like they say that a lot, right? Like, um, early on in the movie, like Nathan does, you know, as he's talking to Caleb, he's just like, it's like, look, you know, I I just want to be you know, friends, I want to get rid of, like, this other stuff, just talk to me like I'm a person, you know, I just want simple questions and answers, or, like, simple answers to simple questions, um, which is, like, by and large, one of kind of the rules of the Turing test, like, the way you do it, you want to provide that, um, so, but, and they're just great, like, so much of this movie is just those two sitting in a room, sitting outside, Mm -hmm. talking to each other, and it is... I think it is always compelling, like, when they do that. It never feels awkward, it never feels... I mean, yeah, it, or at least from a performance standpoint, right? Yeah, like I mean, there are never, interactions yeah. they have that are supposed to be awkward. Yes, yeah. But they're they're very good together in every scene that they're together in, yeah. which mm-hmm. is 
uh, you know, arguably about half the movie. Like, this movie is about, like, 40% uh, Caleb and Nathan. Is it Nathan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Caleb and, and Nathan interacting, and, like, 45% Caleb and Ava interacting, and then 5% uh, Nathan and Ava interacting. Uh, it's, it, it just... It, it's entirely made up of these three characters, and they all have good chemistry, and it, it's just phenomenal. All right, Cleo. Yeah, tell yeah, us you what you think. To... <laughs> I've been waiting. I just don't want to piss on your parade quite yet. No, but <laughs> like, fine. no, but we should. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think you yeah, should yeah. also like be... pee on it, right. Cleo. I'm gonna. I'll pee. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, no, let's not cut that in post, please. <laughs> all right. So I talk. I know I talk about like likable characters a lot. I felt, and I know that's not like a like a break or make it kind of thing for any kind of piece of fiction or anything, but I found in this movie that none of the characters were likable again. Hundred percent agree with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and to the, and usually, and sometimes I'm really okay with that. In this case, I, for some reason, I just wasn't. Hmm. I, maybe because it was just like this small. I don't know. I don't know whether it was like the cast. I don't know. Like the other thing is, like I mentioned earlier on that. I had been told one thing about this movie going into it. Like, I hadn't seen any trailers or anything. I right. was just told by my one friend from um, grad school um, who had seen it that she was kind of disgusted because she's just really, really tired of the stereotype of, like, the Asian sex slave robot. And that, yeah. like, seeing that, like, that the fact that that's the only kind of role, like, an Asian woman could play in, like, a sci-fi film. Like, we, it's just a trope that I've seen over and over again also, so I can understand. Like, and she's, she's Chinese, so she, um, is, like, maybe more aware of those things, just, like, you know, as I am, than maybe, like, a typical, like, person going to a movie would be, because we're, like, always, like, when you're a minority, you're looking out for the ways that, you, like, people, like, you are portrayed. Right. Um, so, that was, like, that was the one thing I knew about this going in, and... At first, and Kyoko doesn't even show up at first, really. Like she, it's a little bit yeah. later on that you see her, and it's not. And she's not introduced as a robot right. in the beginning, but uh, because my friend had told me this, I knew that she was. Right. Um, I think, but still, I think that that was actually very convincing. Like, you might not necessarily from the get go re- realize that she's you know a robot yeah. upon meeting her, even though I probably a lot of people are. I highly suspect that just because of the way she. Yeah, I, I didn't think it at all. I through, thought that reveal was crazy. <laughs> for me, through her, it didn't start to occur to me until way later. Um, like I guess it was almost. I think it was right before the actual reveal mm-hmm. uh, when when we start seeing when we find like uh, Caleb finds the recordings of like his sessions with all the other different robots mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Like the moment that I learned that there were, a, like. I mean, I knew conceptually somewhere in my head that, like, obviously Ava wasn't the first model, and they weren't all like Ava, and they all served different purposes, and, and like, but the moment that I knew that there were a bunch of them, and that some of them had been, like, like looked in and felt and acted, like, very, very human, uh, that was when I guessed that, that Kyoko was probably robot. Up until that point, like, I just kind of, like, the movie played down her character well enough to sort of keep me from thinking that, I think. Yeah. I actually was, I thought pretty early on that she was a robot, mainly because I was, by that point I was impressed enough that I assumed that the movie was smart enough to know that someone as private as Nathan wouldn't just hire someone who doesn't speak English. Like, that seemed to me like kind of a 
a weird throwaway, like, oh, yeah, kind of hand-wavy solution. And honestly, in so many other movies, I would have been surprised at that reveal, right? Because I would have said, like, oh, yeah, sure, they, they needed someone else. She's going to be important later, whatever. But with this, like, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't fit with him. Like, that seemed weird. But it, the other thing for me is just, and it's something where they, they did this a lot, where they were being really clever with, like, what a Turing test is and how it actually works. And they do a really, we can talk about this later, they do a really good job, I think, at the beginning, establishing that this is a very non-traditional Turing test. It, it's hard to even really call it a Turing test. Yeah, it's really at the point where it is something beyond that. But a really common strategy in real-life Turing tests is to pretend that your machine is someone for whom English is not their first language. Um, and that's actually a way that you can that people have gotten around a lot of the issues of writing an, uh, in English appropriately that machines have a much harder time with. But it can resemble someone who, say, is you know born and raised speaking Russian and then learns English later in life, um, or is a child. Um, so having a character who doesn't speak English struck me as maybe kind of a nod to that. But that said, I think the big reasons why like that fell off were again mainly just because like that didn't seem to fit with Nathan's character, and that was the one thing that had me curious. But they do a really good job keeping it very. I wasn't. I didn't think I was right until the reveal. Right. I just suspected it, but at no point was I like, "Oh, I see where this is going." Yeah, and I think yeah. I just like if I had uh, I get that now right and even thinking about it like up until you had said something it didn't really occur to me as it is but yeah i, I think i was just because it comes so early oh yeah. you're in maybe the first 25 minutes of the movie and you get introduced to kyoko's character and then they like the that day's events happen and they're having dinner that night and that's when you get like the hand wavy solution uh like yeah. a explanation of who she is and why she's there and at that point i was still trying to like get in like get really into everything because it was still fresh right we were just wrapping like the first day of what was going on and so i just sort of like did exactly what they wanted me to do and just like they said something that brushed it off so i brushed it off but my i don't know with the ending with her also like she gets what she gets like a hit in with a like a met, like a bar like a metal bar yeah, or something yeah. in the jaw completely takes her jaw off. yeah but why would that take her down because she's I down for the, the count whole time yeah I was yeah, like was that's just her jaw like isn't her like isn't she like entirely a computer like why would that right. one part like, like unless there was something key stored in like this part again right? we're going like, back to jaws if you listen to our all involved episode we also talk about jaws a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, that was definitely kind of a weird anachronistic point mm-hmm. yeah I think because why couldn't she escape too just, yeah. Because, I don't know, it was, again, it was, like, the minority woman helps the white woman escape, and because she, I don't know, it was just, like, something I've seen a lot of times, and maybe, like, people are going to think I'm just nitpicking and, like, making shit up. But no, it's I totally like... saw the same thing, and that's, I think, and again, this is something that could have happened, like, she, they could have escaped together if Kyoko's character had been fleshed out at all. Yeah. Um, but she wasn't a character, like, she wasn't a character. She just dances. She was just a robot who danced. Great at dancing, though. Um, <laughs> so, like, she. So, what they needed was some quick way to take her out of the picture, so that the escape could happen without her, like, 
the fact that she's like not even programmed to speak English by all appearances. Yeah, but she has um, some kind of communication with Ava towards the end when she like whispers something. They like they talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, could be robot talking. It's like two dogs. It's just talking a binary. Anything. They're just saying zero one 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 zero. Yeah. <laughs> It's like um, a dog who learns, not that robots are dogs, but a dog that learns English, and then a dog that learns, like, Spanish. They come together, and they have a dog language that's back behind the commands that they've learned. You know what I mean? Esperanto. There you go. Actually, the universal language. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. So, I mean, maybe... I like that. I forgot there was that one instance where they do communicate. So, I mean, there could be... There isn't a real explanation for that, Um but it does, by all appearances, she doesn't appear, like, she doesn't have the ability to, to speak, uh, besides that one, yeah. that one moment. And so that would complicate it enough that they needed some quick way to take her out of the picture. It was all, it's all just ultimately very problematic. Yeah, she's not, she's not fleshed out, but I also felt like none of the characters ever really surprised me. Like, they all, like, no one changed. And that's, like, something I tend to, ex- maybe, and I shouldn't expect this from every movie, but I usually expect at least one of the main characters to kind of undergo some kind of transformation and be someone at least slightly different at the end. Mm -hmm. And I felt that everyone was pretty much who they were at the beginning or dead. I I agree with that, but I think the important part for me watching the movie was my expectations of the character changed over time. Mm -hmm. So, like, my expectations of Caleb at the beginning of the movie was like, oh, he's just, like, doing his job. He's, like, really good at it or whatever. My expectations of Caleb at the end of the movie were just, like, totally different like i was like this guy i would not be friends with him in real life he's kind of gross i don't like him nathan was like a swapped version of that at the beginning i was like he's super smarmy i don't really know how i feel about this guy and then like slowly a little bit over time it's like revealed more and more about his character that towards the end i was like oh he's actually like intelligent like i obviously knew he was intelligent since he's the head of this Mm. company but like you actually see his intelligence work in a way that like is impressive And so then you, you know, you kind of, like, cut him a little slack. And Ava, like, at the beginning, I mean, I had no expectations of Ava. And then at the end, I was like, this bitch, this bitch. Like, (laughs) I honestly think every character in Ex Machina is, like, not likable. But it's on purpose. And it's, like, different sorts of not liking them. Right. Like, Nathan's smarmy. Caleb is, like, a nice guy TM. And Ava is, like, a betrayer. So it's, like these different things i don't know weaving in and out i i thought it was nice but i can see how somebody wouldn't but also i think other people mostly would think it was nice so it's refreshing i think i also just like didn't know what the point of the film really like what like i always especially with sci-fi films because so many of them are like Mm -hmm. idea films right Mm -hmm. like they present you with this idea and you want to like have a new take on it when you watch a movie like one thing that i hate in sci-fi is if because you you use the same ideas over and over again, it's gonna happen. But every time someone takes the idea and does it again, I want to like take something new away. Mm-hmm. And for this, I wasn't quite sure what that was, other than like, oh, robots can be smart and manipulative, and yeah, it's like people it, suck. This is the ultimate. <laughs> this is the ultimate like modern AI is probably bad movie, right? Like this this like definitely feels like a piece of propaganda written by Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk in some back room mm-hmm. in Hollywood. <laughs> They're just like, this This will show them what AI is going to do to the world. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I, I don't know. At least I didn't get that same like AI is bad vibe so much as I got AI is complicated. Like, and I think that one of the big things is that like, because throughout this, like 
Ava very rarely feels like a villain. Like, yes, she's manipulating, but she was also put... it. Her response was also very human to that mm-hmm. situation, right? Yeah. Like, she was trapped, like, locked in a basement. You know, everything was very manipulated. Um, and she behaved in intelligent ways that I don't think are necessarily, like, indicative of artificiality. Um, but I think that kind of the other element, it, it's it kind of going to, like, the, this is why AI is, like, bad for all of us. Like, that some of it was, you know, early on when Nathan's talking about, like, being a god and, like, kind of twisting Caleb's comment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when he dies at the end, and it's very simple. Like, you know, it, when, I, you know, it, when he gets stabbed, like, the knife goes in so easily. It's very smooth. It's not that kind of, like, long, like, gross, visceral thing. It's... And, well, he doesn't even get stabbed. That's the it thing. Just it's, goes there in. is no yeah. action. She stands there with the knife, and he just he walks all yeah. the way into yeah, it. Yeah, right. But and I think that it, at least for me, that was a great moment. Like mixing that, like him playing with this idea of being a god, mm-hmm. but also just the utter ease with which he dies, like at the hands of his kind of quote unquote creation. Mm-hmm. But just this idea of like kind of finding that that God is so fragile mm-hmm. in comparison to yourself and things like that. And it's just kind of, which is why, again, like I didn't think of it so much as like um, AI is bad and going to stab all of us. I thought <laughs> it was more like, this is like a, this is a thing that is so far beyond what any of us are ready for. Yeah. No person is ready to be a God. Yeah. No, nothing that we create would be, ready to deal with people as gods. Right. Like, how screwed up is that, right? And you especially don't want someone like Nathan yeah. being a god. Like, For that sure. was, yeah. like, even when I did realize, okay, so he is maybe, like, a bit of a genius, he's still an evil, gross, yeah. gross, sure. gross, Terrible gross person. Yeah, genius. I mean, he never, Great like, dancer. Who should, Great <laughs> terrible dancer. person. Our, our opi- your opinion of him as a human being, like, right. does not change throughout the movie. It's just that you... You, you realize that he's more dangerous like a, than you, maybe. Because at first he just seems like... Oh my god, he's so into himself. He's kind yeah. of like this yeah. evil like archetype of like the Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yes. Like dude, like the tech bros totally. who we're all like and I come from it like I just graduated from a tech program and we're all like terrified of these people who you know this <clears throat> this man kind of represents this character represents. And but the scary thing is like it's people like him who might become powerful enough to kind of start a program like this mm-hmm. or you know be in charge of a program responsible for creating AI. And I just, like, hope that this is not ever going to actually be the case. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Alex Garland actually has a really great quote about this. I'm on the Ex Machina trivia page on IMDb, (laughs) and I'm reading a lot of really cool trivia. But he said, uh, the director said, the film takes place in a future that could be ten minutes from now. Meaning that if somebody like Google or Apple announced tomorrow that they had made Ava... We would all be surprised, but we wouldn't be that but not surprised. That surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and yeah. that's so freaking true, and that terrifies me. That terrifies me. And that's like, uh, that the point in the movie where Caleb is confronting Nathan, and he asks, you know, did you look at my porn search to like make Ava? That so, that that yeah. was the line that like really got me. I was just like, holy 
shit, this dude is so crazy. Everything in this movie is so fucked up. And you get a hint of that right at the beginning when you see the face scan, you're like, what is this? Yeah. Like, you don't know what's going on, and it's just brushed aside for now, but then you totally remember it later mm -hmm. on yep. when yeah. when it's like, oh, it's all, her expressions are basically built based on his mm -hmm. expressions. Yep. Um, God. Which so is very, funny. like, very relevant to current day stuff with surveillance and whatnot and, like, internet yeah. privacy, or also, lack thereof. Speaking of the beginning of the movie, more trivia... So there's this thing that's running on uh, Caleb's computer that basically finds prime numbers, but the sequence of numbers is an ISBN code for the book Embodiment and the Inner Life, Cognition and Consciousness in the Space of Possible Minds, which is a book on the history of artificial intelligence. Yeah, like, I there's reading so, about a bunch of little Easter yeah, eggs Yeah, there's like this. so many great little nuggets, like, hidden away in the movie. Oh, well, um, that's, uh, oh, I, I, I read this forever. I'm not going to remember the story. We should probably just cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> There's uh, the bit where uh, Caleb is hacking, like hacking into his security system, and it looks so utterly ridiculous to anybody that knows even a little bit of code or a little bit of like any particular language because it's just like hyper simple Python. Yeah. Um, but apparently that That's like what that well, no, no, it's like what that Python script is because it's like I, I've just come to understand that like mm. it, it's like programming and hacking in movies is so poorly represented and doesn't make any sense sure. but like what like somebody took that python code and like unpacked it and actually like executed it and looked at it and it's like something insane i can't remember the result of this and i'm really mad about um, it right now there's actually a tumblr that does this and i think they did um i think they did ex machina let me look it up uh but let's talk about something else wait no i i've got it all right okay, okay. um it's Blue book. Oh wait, no, that is it's the book. Okay. Cognition and consciousness. God, you just took my story and you said it again in a different way. I'm sorry. That was so kind of jumping off of the kind of big AI question and also the idea of going back and reviewing what you think of characters throughout. Um, it seems like the movie plays with this. I mean, it, it plays with this pretty obviously in the middle, but mm -hmm. I think that it intentionally doesn't give you a straight answer. And it seems like it does at the end, but I'm curious. Um, do you think that Caleb was an AI? Yeah, I remember, the, I remember them playing with this, and he... Well, because he, he cuts himself with a razor to try to... Yeah. He right, he's convinced the fuck out. Oh, yeah. right. oh you, that's so gross. Yeah, that was pretty... Oh, I can't even think about that part of the yeah. movie. I, like, had totally blacked that out from my mind, because oh, it was so gross. That, for me, was, like, the big thing that I thought was great. And just playing throughout the entire movie of going back yeah. and thinking about it, like, is the test to see whether or not Ava will recognize Caleb as an AI, as opposed to the other way around. Oh, shit. Because, again, like, it, they... They screw with the Turing test idea so much, and that Caleb obviously knows that he's interacting with an AI. What if? But it works if you have, if you go the other way around. Like, what if it's an automated AI? Because the point is that you're not supposed to know. I am the dumbest person. I'd never even thought of this. Like, I obviously like the that part in this in the movie where he's cutting himself. It's obviously him questioning his reality. Sure. And it's also obviously like a metaphor for like you know, everyone questioning their reality, watching the movie. You know, when you're watching the movie, you're just kind of like, holy shit, like, who am I? Like, who, who are these people? You don't know anything. You're kind of in the dark about everything. And so is Caleb at that mm. part. Right. Um, I, but I never really thought about the Turing test being used in favor of Ava instead of in favor of Caleb. Right. Because, I mean, that's, that, that's what it comes down to, right? It's like the idea that 
they they're introducing it as like a modified Turing test this whole time. It's like obviously you know she's an AI, right. but can she convi- can she convincingly act human? Right. Because like this is such a whole different level of Turing test that if you didn't like I can't even I can't show you Ava and you know she's not an AI because look at her. Right. right? Um, but you can if Caleb is an AI, you can present him to Ava and see if she figures it out. Right. Because mm-hmm. that would ma- that would mean that. Eight, like Ava's really the last model and the new model. Like and Caleb is, is really the, the AI, right? right. Um, I mean, I love that as an idea. I don't think it's true. I don't think it would change the ending significantly because then she hasn't like left him there to die. He's just like a computer that'll live forever <laughs> in isolation. He would eventually, yeah. obviously, figure out that he's like it, it, it would somehow have to come terms with that and just either find a way to break out. Or just like take his arms off like the other yeah. one did. Yeah. What a like, great shot! That, movie, that was horrifying. That was a yeah. great shot. I just love the way this movie is shot too. I'm like such a nerd about it. I freaking love it. I mean, all of it was phenomenal. It's just beautiful. It's just a beautiful it's just movie. Great cinematography. You can't even argue with that, Cleo. I know you didn't like it's it. It's the concepts in the script I have problems with, not the cinematography. <laughs> um, or the boom ops also... or the gaffers. <laughs> okay. Um, I also just like I'm really impressed. This is Alex Garland's first like movie that he directed. He wrote um, 28 Days. I think it's Days Later and not Weeks Later. But I will double check. Really? I thought I thought he did both. I thought because I thought Garland did them all because he was talking about months coming soon. No, he just did Days Later. Okay. He might have he might have produced or something, but he just wrote. He wasn't involved. Yeah, he wrote Days Later and produced Weeks Later. Okay. Um. But anyways, he wrote one of my favorite sci-fi films of all time, which was Sunshine. I and love I think Sunshine. It's I love really Sunshine. freaking underrated, and I want to convince people who have seen Ex Machina and are listening to this to watch Sunshine for the love of God. <laughs> like I'm not just some Chris Evans fangirl, although I am telling you to watch a movie I that he's he was in. in that. I know you forget because he's so good, and it's not like another movie that. Chris Evans is in. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it's funny that we like because I was thinking about Sunshine earlier because I was thinking about because I said something about like can only, Asian women only play like you know fucking sex slave robots in mm-hmm. sci-fi and that's a movie where there's like an Asian woman who's a scientist and she's like an astronaut you know she's on this spaceship like and she's a badass and she's like yeah and like, it actually has many like several or a couple Asian characters mm-hmm. um, which I'm always I don't know I get really excited there's not a lot of us cool. in films or TV <laughs> it's have you seen it's getting Sense8 better yet? have I seen what Sense Eight not yet on Netflix you should watch I will. But it's so that was like a film that obviously had like several female characters who were well developed and like actual people and not just like, yeah, like they serve a purpose and they're not just there as like a metaphor for something else, yeah. But I, I actually, I need to check and see. He he wrote Ex Machina too, and he also is writing the screenplay for Halo, at least it says on IMDb. So, as far as I'm concerned, that's law, and he's writing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I yeah, just, I mean, Halo I, movie. Not a, not a thing. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> um, Anyways, I just really, I really like Sunshine. That's the whole point of it. And yeah, I do agree. I think they, Ex Machina, just by nature of the movie, because there are so few people in it, and even, well, there's so few characters in it, and even fewer people in it, mm-hmm. right? So any portrayal of any person is like the be-all, end-all for that movie. Yeah. And it really sucks. It does suck a lot that Kyogo is kind of, you know, pushed into this thing that Asian women are always pushed into in movies. Always. Always. Like, that's really, really terrible. And it's hard to, you know, watch the movie without thinking about that. Yeah, it was just like... 
I don't know. I feel like if maybe a few things had been changed, like, not even changed significantly, I would have, like, walked away from it feeling, like, really mm-hmm. good about it. Because I wanted to like it. Yeah. I wanted, like, there was... Con- it definitely did a good job of raising some very interesting questions yeah. about AI and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe not quite as different from other questions that other movies kind of mm-hmm. also bring up. But um, it, it was it was really close to, like pushing it just far enough that I would feel like this feels really new. The other thing is, I feel like the point, or like the film could have been, it could have gotten across all the same points and themes in a shorter, like I felt like it was a short film that got pushed into being a feature length film some of the time. Mm. Like I felt like it could have been contained to a, you know, to a short film length. Yeah, I definitely see that. I, I, I think that it just ended up with more like right, the the whole like carrying on long enough for for Caleb to start questioning his own like humanity is something that that realistically could have not existed in a in a much more tightly packed like version of this movie. Um, I think that you're right. Like that the big ideas that it seemed to be about, I think absolutely could have been in a short film. I personally really enjoyed the things that felt like they were added to add yes. time, and I thought that I liked some of those more than I liked the core plot. Yeah. So I think in that situation, I'm glad that it was longer, but I definitely agree. This feels like the kind of thing that could have been like a really short film. We could all be here and we'd be like, oh, but what if Caleb was an AI? And there's that line about right. two gray boxes talking to each other, <laughs> which suggests there are two, and which means he made both of them people. But if there's just nothing other than that, and it would be very open, but it would be much more of a stretch. And I did kind of like that it added mm-hmm. the stuff to lead you to that rather than... Yeah having just the littlest things, but I, I definitely agree that that big idea, it makes me wonder if this was at ever point, at, at any point, uh, a short film. Not necessarily that it was made. Or a short script. Was, yeah. yeah, or a short script or a short story. Yeah. Or that it kind of went through a few things or that it was pitched as one of those mm-hmm. and someone really liked it and they were like, we could do this as like a feature yeah. length film. Why don't you, you know, keep that script and I am personally glad that it is a feature length film because most of the stuff that I feel could be cut was Oscar Isaac material and anytime (laughs) you cut Oscar Isaac out of a movie I'm pissed (laughs) so like keep him in the movie keep all the Oppenheimer references that are totally like unnecessary I feel like part of his god complex I know yeah Oppenheimer is mentioned in freaking everything recently can we talk about this I didn't know that destroyer of worlds thing was something he said like I didn't know Mm -hmm. that that was a quote that says I have destroyer of worlds on my business card because I thought it was funny as like a like (laughs) I'm just a chaotic force and like I have no talents or whatever no skills (laughs) no other like thing to put on my business card so I'm just going to say this and now that I realize this is like an Oppenheimer quote I realize I have to make new business cards now (laughs) (laughs) I mean I just feel like uh, like a just sort of a like that feels like something I could see on on somebody's business card at E3 and like it wouldn't Oh, that's definitely a tattoo someone has somewhere, and they don't know that it's an they don't Oppenheimer know. Oh, quote. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> they just saw it on Pinterest, and they're like, oh, man, that describes me. I gotta get this tattooed on my body. It's like, I just didn't know it was a quote at all. I didn't know that was... <laughs> the thing is, he was quoting something else. He was quoting the... Um, the he was uh, quoting a, the, a, a religious text, or he was quoting a poem, or something. He, he was requ- I think he's quoting a Hindu uh, yeah. a deity, but I can't remember which Wait. one it is. I think it's... um. It has to do with their uh, story of the apocalypse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Hindu Gita? Is that what it is? I don't know how to pronounce that Bhagavad second Gita? word, so that was probably really butchered. 
Could be. That sounds right. I from from times I've heard that word said. That is what I've heard, but I'm also not. There's also another word, but I really won't say it because it's <laughs> just I will actually butcher it and it will be offensive. So I'm just choosing. Yeah, I mean to not. this is this is yeah us having a collective non understanding of of theology. Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, it's it's. Oppenheimer made it famous for saying it when he did in, like, Western culture, but he is quoting, um, yeah. if I'm remembering correctly, it's Hindu. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that that quoting and that idea of, like, knowing that it's a quote, and just to pull back one last time to that, Caleb might be an AI, that, that so many of Caleb's complicated lines mm-hmm. are not actually generated by him. Mm-hmm. It's him quoting someone else. Yeah. And... It's a lot of things like that, where uh, this pulling from someone else, and he has a really hard time going through and generating more complicated thoughts. Good. A lot of the stuff that seems original to him is very, relatively simple. And, like, little things like you never see him eat. You see him lift food, but not eating, which of course doesn't mean anything, but it's a nice just total There's like piece. an implication. Yeah. Wow. And I feel like that whole storyline is kind of like what I was saying. That was the thing that would have been very very casually underneath like a short story or short film and that making it feature length let them like kind of bring that in as something that you actually discover i almost wish that they had taken like some of those interesting smaller like those like input in scenes or the scenes that felt like they were inserted maybe after like the original script was written because i felt like those were interesting enough to base like more of the movie on that and that maybe those I would, the best parts. yeah i would have yeah. felt oh, they would have been a better feature film had it been based more on that or explored those territories more because i felt like it started to dive into it and then it was like never mind yeah. right it's like well the thing that like like what it comes down to for me is that this is a movie that like says a lot of the same things about ai that have been said but like puts them in the you know could be 10 minutes from now future that just kind of like modernizes a lot of the concepts and and makes the technology realistic to to us, whereas we could watch something made about AI and like like a sci-fi movie from the eighties talking about AI, and it's like it's going to look so dated that the concepts will make a lot of sense, but the the tech around it all is just going to be like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. that's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> but we watch this today, and it, it makes like uh, all this sense, even though we're just grappling with the same ideas, right? But if it had like completely veered off, right, and and turned into this Caleb actually realizing he is an AI. And trying to grapple with the fact that that he has like memories of a lifetime, and and that you know everybody he knew what thought he was human, that he like is like how long has he been alive? How long has he existed? Right, at least his the amount of time that he's worked at Blue Book has to have been re like real real because all of the employees that he worked with would have to know him. What if the employees are in on it? Like, what if his memories are? What if yeah, Blue Book the is all AI? What if only one person works there and it's Nathan? <laughs> what if everyone's an AI? Maybe this takes place in the distant, distant future. Oh, Nathan's an AI. Jeez. <laughs> Nathan, we're just Nathan was the first <laughs> AI. There we go. And, yeah, and, and believes he's who human. Who created such a shitty robot as Nathan? <laughs> and that's why he's so obsessed with maintaining perfect humanity. Hmm. Um... But yeah, I think if it had actually veered off and, and, and Caleb is the AI and, and right and then there's so many details that you have to that you kinda have to unpack and figure out. But yeah. it's it's like is he ultimately this perfect AI that was able to just like be put out into the world and live for a brief period of time and appear human to everyone that he interacted with? And then in, in doing so I mean, would Nathan need a Turing test? Well, but that that would be the thing, right? Those are the two phases. One is him going out and comparing himself to people. The other is comparing to a robot. To another, and it, yeah. It's it's the whole 
uh, chess playing robot, right. right? Does it know it's playing chess, or is it just doing like what it's programmed to do, which happens to be playing chess? Does it understand what it's doing? Right. It's so this is that second step verification. This is when you get that the code sense. on your phone and you type it into the website. Right. But, but so, that said, yeah. though, I do think, though, that the wrong thing to do, no matter what, is answer that question. Like, if the movie had said, boom, Caleb's an AI, <laughs> twist, that would have always been wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the right thing to do is always, always, always leave it ambiguous. It's like the end it's of Inception with the spinning like top. Sure. they took their cues from Blade Runner. <laughs> A yeah, movie that exactly. I have written many a paper and presentation on yeah. um, as an NYU film student. Absolutely. <laughs> Which I think is, yeah. Like, that's that's the beauty of it, and that's the thing that is... Mm-hmm. That's See, cool. and that's, that's what I was It would have been cool if they had an origami, like, unicorn somewhere in Machina. <laughs> oh, just somewhere hiding yeah. in Yeah, and I would have yeah. been like, what? That would have, like, people I mean, would have found that in, like, oh, yeah. I'd be amazed if they didn't. Um, I, I guess for me, like... The ambiguity of something like that is what is what allows this conversation to happen. Oh, for sure. And allows you to talk about the implications of, of one scenario versus the other and all these different things. Hmm. But, I mean, I, I gotta be entirely honest. The, the great movies don't answer these questions, and that's what makes them more engaging and, and, and in some minds great. But I want one that answers them and, and, like, gives answers and answers them right. Like, that does something with it that, that people come out of thinking that, like, agreeing as much as we do that this was, like, saying interesting, if not fresh things about AI. Mm. Agreeing that, that the implications of everything that had happened if we came out of this movie with Caleb being revealed to be an AI. Like, creating yeah. the same kind of universal agreement. Which is just, it, it would never happen. Oh, sure. It's funny, because you said something earlier about, like, dated, te- like, sci-fi movies and, like, dated technology. Because, like, if you look at the films from, like, especially with robots, you look at... um any robot from like the 50s and they look like mm-hmm. these you know big old square boxes with lights on their heads and like mm-hmm. some of those designs are just great right mm-hmm. and like they look amazing but they look so different from what we have like if you even look at like interstellar and like the robots and that like right. yeah. boxes again completely different structure oh god but tars ne- though yeah they have but neil gaiman has like a really great quote from i think it was like the forward for the star is my destination by alfred bester which was like one of my favorite sci-fi books and I'm totally going to butcher it, but it was, it was something about, like, there's nothing more dated than the future. Like, you can always tell, like, people's idea of the future changes so much, like, their expectations mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. um, that you can always tell, like, what decade a movie or, like, a book is from pretty much based on the, like, sci-fi tropes in it. Yeah. So I'm really interested yeah. how this movie's going to hold up yeah. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, like, what, how will, like... Well, what stage will AI be at? Like, how close will we be to achieving that? Right. Um, then, and like, what will our ideas of what robots are supposed to look like be yeah. like? You know, how many years from now? I'm interested to see practically how the special effects hold up because I thought they were beautiful. But I know in like 20 years, it's going to be another thing where I look back on it and be like, "Wow, I can't believe how terrible CGI was in 2015." <laughs> I mean, it's going to be that, or it's going to be like the way we look back on Jurassic Park, right? But Jurassic Park like, was practical effects. But no, but like that's what I'm saying. Like it'll either be, but this was like a lot of practicality too, right? There were you know people doing stuff, and I, it makes me wonder if this is going to be like our practical effects. Mm. We're going to go back 20 years and be like, "Oh yeah, like it's obviously like not a real." AI, but look at it compared to these other things at the time. <laughs> or like, you know, oh yeah, like it it doesn't look real, but it looks good. Yeah. You know, like, oh yeah, it holds up, but oh yeah, it's so Yeah. Like it's in that same way where you're just like, oh yeah, like it doesn't it doesn't look real, but it looks 
charming. Yeah. Then there's Labyrinth, which will look good forever. Labyrinth. Ever and ever. <laughs> ever, and ever. Cleo a, will always look amazing. I have a feeling that Cleo will bring up Labyrinth in literally every movie podcast we do. I will try to. It's not going to be hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much bring it up in every conversation anyway. <laughs> Anyways, right. does anyone have any final thoughts? Yeah. Let's go around and do final thoughts. I'll start. I really like the movie. Um, as someone who likes film on two levels on like deeper level and on a superficial like just take me a different place level um i think it's it works on both of those things which is something that not a lot of films do right like i can go see you know uh i'm trying to think of something like jurassic world and that's really fun it's not very deep but it's really fun or i can go see you know some indie movie i can't even think of an example right now and it won't be fun at all. It won't be fun. I won't get popcorn, but it'll make me think. And I think this did kind of both things, and which is so interesting to me. Yeah. I just like that a lot. And I like all the actors. I like the writer. I like the, the director who was the same person. It was great. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I it's definitely not a movie that without flaws. Like, I don't, I don't know if any of those really exist, but there's so much to like in this movie there's so much to unpack there's so much to talk about this podcast could probably be twice as long as it is now um and i i think and like realistically everybody should see it like even the things that that it can make you think about if you haven't spent any time thinking about ai or what kind of role it might have in the in like our world in the future this movie is an absolute must see yeah, I'd I'd agree with a lot of that. And it, even in the same way where it's like it, you may or may not like it, but I definitely think it's worth giving a shot to just because it's it does some neat things. But yeah, again, I also personally really enjoyed it. I actually hadn't even really thought about it the way that that you mentioned it, Caroline. But I also really like those movies that manage to be both like thoughtful and just like a fun time at the movies. Um, I look for a lot of like similar things in games, whatever, and like it's not. They're not always the best, but I would argue that they are my favorite kind. Like, those things that really manage to hit both of those marks. And they are they're few and far between, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that this really did, like, a, a really good, good job in that sense. And was very much, like, interesting, fun sci-fi. Mm -hmm. My final thought is actually <laughs> a cautionary tale that I just thought of. Um... Those knives, like the one that Kyoko uses, like this, like you, she, like she's shown cutting like fish, I think, with yeah, it, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, they're like an actual type, like they're really. There's some like Japanese brands of knife that are really, really, really sharp. So my dad's friend got one from Japan on a business trip. It like cut through the box, and he was holding it to like give it to someone. Cut through his fingers, oh. like severed his tendons and stuff, and his Holy hand was super messed crap. up. So if you get one of those knives, be super careful because you will like fuck your hands up if you like make any kind of mistake. That that's my final thought. I've been thinking about those knives a lot since this movie. Honestly, that is horrifying. <laughs> well, what I was actually going, what I was gonna ask um, you, Cleo, was you. You're the of the four of us. You didn't come out of the movie like necessarily liking it all that much. Would you, do you still think it was, like, seeing it was a worthwhile experience? Yeah, I think, like, if for nothing else, then it's, like, it's important to see it so you can have an opinion on it, because it does bring up, like, the issues I have with it, I feel like, are important issues to address, um, sure. especially going to the future of sci-fi and what other movies are going to come out. 
um, in the following however many years. And kind of forming, I feel like I have a better sense of how I feel about the genre after having like kind of addressed my own feelings on this movie in particular, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. That's great. I think it's doubly good because I could see this being a kind of movie that is very much a template for a lot of people going on. Like, just going forward and... Like, yeah, I would like, love to see yeah. people pushing this for... Like, pushing for, like, the AI confronting another AI and, like, that whole... I don't know. There's so much territory to explore and hopefully this will, like, serve as kind of an inspiration for people who want to explore those kind of questions that haven't been as addressed as thoroughly yet. Right. For sure. Cool. All right. So I think that is a wrap on our first movie episode. Uh, yeah. Ex Machina. Yeah. Extravaganza. <laughs> Make sure to come back next month for Kingsman, The Secret Service. Woo! I haven't seen Which, it yet. I'm the only one here who I hasn't am. seen it yet. I'm so excited. excited about I'm also incredibly excited. I saw this movie twice in theaters. Yeah. I'll probably watch it one or two more times before we record. I saw it four times. <laughs> I follow like Vine accounts dedicated to Vining this movie. We'll have a lot to talk about. Absolutely. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> so Please everybody, uh, pick up Kingsman on... Uh, DVD or Blu-ray when it hits, watch it, and uh, then come back and, and hang out for our podcast. And be careful with knives. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>